All right, Mercy Road family, how we feeling this morning? Yeah! Come on, 11.30 service, you got a little bit of energy, you got a little pep in your step. Good to be back with you guys, man. And hopefully my voice holds up, because it's, um, <clears throat> man, I've been like going after it this morning, and uh, if it doesn't hold up, then we'll just pray and go home, and we'll get everything that the Lord had in store for us. But man, my name is Davey, if I got a chance to meet you, and I'm just really, really excited to be back with you guys. I haven't been here since March. And prior to that, it was January. So before 2022, the bulk of 2019, 2020, and 2021, um, I I spent time here as a teaching pastor, teaching once a month. And uh, just haven't been here this year because I lead a ministry called Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, where we help people in trauma, tragedy, and major life transition and help them find purpose out of their pain. And so what we do is we, we launch a course in churches all over the world called Pain to Purpose. You guys have done pain to purpose here. It's a curriculum that helps people through pain and trauma. And, um, and man, God's just opening up huge doors with that right now where um, I'm traveling all over, speaking at different churches, helping them get this launched. And it's a, it's a huge blessing, but it's been bittersweet because I haven't been back here to be with you guys for a long time. And so it's so good to be back with you. I want to thank you. My family and I just want to thank you guys because whether you know it or not, you guys are huge supporters of us when it comes to nothing is wasted and pain to purpose. And um, so part of your outside the walls giving that you do goes to help us launch this, this course into churches. And we're set up right now to uh, launch this in over 100 churches this next year, which is really awesome. And then kind of see where God uh, takes it from there. But uh, God's just doing some really, really cool stuff. And so I just, I, I'm excited to be back to kind of bring a little bit of uh, so, some of God's word to this series. It's been a great series about, you know, in the Christmas season, the past couple of messages, Pastor Josh, Pastor Nate, they've done a phenomenal job, haven't they? It's been a great job. Um, here's what I want to do before we get started. I would love if we could welcome those who are watching online. So we can, can we just put our hands together? Let's welcome those who are watching online. It's good to have you guys with us and, and to be here. Um, listen, I don't know if you've ever been in a season right now. And, and, you know, as a preacher, sometimes you preach messages and you're like, man, I really hope people get this. And sometimes you preach messages and as you prepare them, the Lord is crawling all over you. Has, has the Lord ever gotten up in your grill before? You know what I mean? Convicted you like crazy. I'm going to tell you right now, today, what I'm talking about, I am absolutely not an expert at this. I'm, a, I'm very much a fellow struggler. Um, in fact, over the past couple of weeks, the Lord has been revealing to me in preparation for this message that this is one that I need for me. So I'm going to probably lay it out on the field today, and I'm going to get really passionate, but please know that, that, that I'm, I'm really kind of preaching to my own soul in this. And if you get something out of it, praise God. I'm so glad that you do. Um, but today I want to talk on the subject of God provides help. God provides help. Have you ever been in a situation where you, you just feel overextended, like overwhelmed, like you... You need help. Come on. I know you're not used to being honest in church, but can we be honest for a second? Can we admit there are times and seasons and situations that we need help? We just need help. We're just like, I've, I've, out, I've outpunted my coverage on this one, and God, I need you to rescue me in this. I just don't know what to do in this situation. Last summer, 2021, my family and I, we went on an RV trip out to Colorado. So we have a partner church in Denver, Colorado. Went out there to speak. We spent two weeks RVing around Colorado. And uh, at the time, our kids were seven, six, and two. And so I'm going to tell you right now, RV trips look grandiose and glamorous and exciting and romantic and amazing when you look at it on Instagram. But when you got a two-year-old, you should not go on an RV trip. We found that out the hard way. We rented this RV, a 36-foot A-class RV, rented it from Outdoorsy, which is like an Airbnb of RVs. 
And so we're borrowing, keep that in mind, we're borrowing or renting this RV from somebody else, an RV owner. We decide to drive out from here, Indianapolis, all the way to Denver, Colorado, all the way beyond that to Western Colorado for a family reunion that my wife had. She was born in uh, Grand Junction, Colorado, so we decided to go all the way out there for this family reunion. She hasn't seen this family in 15 years. So we, true to form, family of three, we're trying to get everybody out the door by a certain time into this RV, packing everything up for two weeks of an excursion, right? And we don't leave for hours after our appointed time to leave. You know what that's like, right, families? And so we finally leave town at 5 p.m. We're trying to make it to Kansas City that night. We get to Kansas City about 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Everybody else is cashed out. I'm assigned to drive this thing, and I'm assigned to wake up the next morning and try to get us all the way to Western Colorado the next day. So I'm going on a couple hours of sleep. We try to get, man, I'm exhausted by the time we pull into Denver. So I call our partner church. Can we just dry dock in your parking lot? And he's like, yeah, just dry dock there. No problem. So we're like, all right, we'll do that. And we'll come rolling into her family reunion later than what we anticipated rolling in. So we roll in 45 minutes before we get to this family reunion. Our two-year-old gets car sick in this RV and throws up all over Christy. So keep this in mind. We, she hasn't seen this family in 15 years. We've dry docked for three days, have not showered. She's got puke all over her. We're rolling in like we just came out of a Chevy Chase movie. You know what I mean? Like, ah, go on. And then that started the vacation. I wish I could say it was redeemed, but it just kept getting worse from there. In fact, we toured around Colorado. I spoke two weeks later at this church in Denver. And then we try to come back. We're trying to make it to Kansas City to go spend the last part of this vacation at an amusement park, water park. We're driving in Nowheresville, Kansas, two o'clock in the morning. And my kids are asleep in the back of this RV. Christy's asleep in the passenger seat, going 75 miles an hour, no one else on this road. And a 10-point buck steps out in front of this RV. I don't know if you've ever driven one of these things, but you don't get to stop that thing going 75 miles an hour. It is a speeding rocket ship. And so I slam on the brakes. As I do, Christy, it propels her out of her sleepy stupor. And all she can say is, why would you? And then, boom, we obliterate this deer. Like, absolutely liquidate it. Okay? Now, some of you are like, did you keep the meat? You know, like, no. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to, I didn't know what to do. I already don't know what to do with RVs. I learned a whole lot. You can YouTube some stuff like the gray pipe and the black pipe and all that kind of stuff. You can't YouTube that. What do you do when you hit a deer in the middle of Nowheresville, Kansas at two o'clock in the morning in a 36 foot A class RV? I had no idea. So we're sitting in the middle of this interstate. All Christy is concerned about is the kids are asleep in the back. Someone's going to rear end us. Step on the gas, she says. And so I'm like, but there's a deer right in front. I don't care. Step on the. So I step on the gas. Do, 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 do. <laughs> And we're trying to pull off to the next exit 15, 15 miles up the road. Have no idea what kind of damage is on this RV. I was in a situation where I needed help. Okay? I was way beyond my capacity, my own ability. We pull into this gas station in Russellville, Kansas. And I'm like, I need help. That's it. There are situations you come into life where you finally get to a place where you admit, I I just need help. I just need, I cannot do this. I just need help. You've been there before. I'm here to tell you right now that if you've ever heard this phrase in church, God will never put on you more than what you can handle. You've been told a lie (laughs) because there are situations in our life where we just need help. And what I love about the Christmas story is it illuminates to us the fact that God is here to provide help to us. But here's the thing. I've learned in my own propensity, I am hesitant to ask for help. God provides help for those who are humble enough to ask. Hear me, hear me. 
One of the things that I've learned in, in, in my time about my own, I, I preach for a living. I'm on stages all over the country. I'm used to being able to put off this polished exterior and it begins to creep into my soul to begin to say, well, Davey, if you don't, if you let other people know that you're like, there's something about you that's a little bit off or something that you need to fix or something that you need help about, like, what are they going to think about you? And unfortunately that has crept into the fabric of all of our hearts in the American church. Come on. That we show up to church, we've got this Instagram type culture where we put on this pretense that everything's got to be okay, everything's just fine. I don't know how they're going to accept me or receive me if I'm not just perfect in this perfect little picture with my 2.4 kids and my dog and my white picket fence and all the Christmas arrangements are perfect and everything's set up and I can take all these pictures and put them through this filter so that we've got the perfect family. And can I tell you something? God doesn't move through the perfect family. God moves and all throughout history has used and shown up to help and his power has infused those who are willing to say, I'm not okay and it's okay for me not to be okay because where I reach the end of my rope, God, your grace picks that up and you can come into my life and you can come into my family and you can come into my past and you can come into my brokenness and I'm just available and I'm okay with everybody knowing what's going on with me and how wrong it is because God is here to help. If you're taking notes in here, I've got three things you've got to write down. If you're not taking notes, I've got three things I need you to write down. (laughs) The first one is help is for the humble. Help is for the humble. And over the past few weeks, friends, I'm telling you, the Lord has been crawling all over over me saying, Davey, you need to ask for help. You need to ask for help in your ministry. You need to ask for help in your marriage. You need to ask for help in your parenting. You need to ask for help in every facet of your life. Because listen to me, friends, God will bring you to a place where you realize, I can't do this. This is over my head, and I need some help. Look in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39. You've been going through this story over the past couple of weeks leading up to the Christmas story. And in verse 39, it says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country. Man, I spent so much time in commentaries trying to figure out who the heck haste is because she went with, that was a real, man, I tried it in the last two sermons. It landed the same way. My gosh, just not going to strike that one from the script. Okay. (laughs) She went with haste to the hill country, to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. You learned the past couple of weeks that Zechariah and Elizabeth were, were chosen to bear the forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist, right? They were barren for so long, and God shows up and does a miracle, gives them a miracle baby. And, 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 I, and I highlight that haste because I need you to understand the context that's happening right here. Mary went with haste to go see Elizabeth. Why did she go with haste? Because she was in trouble. How was, he, how was she in trouble, Dave? Like, she's bearing the Messiah. Like, this is a, Mary is highly favored of God. Pastor Nathan talked about, like, this last week. Like, she's highly, no, she was in trouble. Because in this day and age, in this context, in her cultural context, if you were pregnant out of wedlock, it was a capital offense. And nobody in front of a, in front of a, 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 tri, a tribunal or a jury, nobody's going to believe the Holy Spirit of God came to, came to immaculately conceive Mary, Right? 
This is why Joseph originally was like, I need to divorce her quietly. I need to kind of separate myself from this. And the angel warned Joseph, no, 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 no. This is of God. This is of God. I need you to trust me and believe. First of all, Mary and Joseph were chosen not because they were amazing people, but because they trusted God with extraordinary things. They were ordinary people who trusted God for extraordinary things. And they believed when the Holy Spirit of God showed up and said, this is what you are to do. They believed God enough for who he is that they were willing to walk in obedience to the thing that didn't make any sense. That's who God uses. He doesn't look for ability in our lives, friends. He looks for availability. That says, God, I trust you. I don't see it. I can't perceive it. I don't understand it, but I trust that you're going to move and you're going to do what you say you're going to do. But that requires humility. Because worldly, conventional wisdom doesn't line up with godly wisdom. There are things that scripture is going to tell you to do that doesn't make a lick of sense. Hear me? Are you humble enough? to step in obedience to those things. All throughout history, all throughout, this, all throughout this book right here, God uses these people who are lowly and humble in nature, who got to the bottom of their life, rock bottom, and then they found out the rock at their bottom, if you know what I mean. And they realized Jesus is the only one that can produce anything of any substance and any good in my life. God can be trusted. And where I hit an extent, where I hit a limit, God makes up for that. His grace is sufficient for me. Come on, friends. I'm here to tell you that help is for the humble. Why? Why? Because God grows us up as his kids, the complete reversal than than how we grow our kids up. I grow my kids up from dependence on me to independence from me. You know what I mean? So our two-year-old's now a three-year-old. I'm changing a lot of diapers right now. Lots of diapers, okay? And three-year-old diapers are, <laughs> it's like, it's about time. Like, daddy's kind of tired of this, you know. And it's fine right now, but in a couple of years, it's not going to be fine. And when he's 30, it's definitely not going to be fine. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, I'm ready to get my kids out of, their, when they're 20, 22, whatever, like, they're, they're not living in my basement. They're, getting out. they're coming back for Thanksgiving, for Christmas. I want them to want to come back, but I don't want them to live in my house. You know what I mean? I am looking forward to empty nesting season. Come on, praise God. Someone say amen if you've got young kids, right? I cannot wait. It's going to be amazing. Try not to wish it away, but I cannot wait because I'm trying to grow my kids up to become the fullness of who God has created them to be and go make a difference in this world from dependence to independence. God grows us up the complete opposite. You know that? From the moment that we step into relationship with God, where we believe what he made available to us on the cross through the person of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, where we trust in him, we allow the Holy Spirit to take up residence inside of our heart, and now we have victory over that sin. In that moment right there, before that moment, you were on your agenda, your own timetable, your own way of life. You were independent. And God does this thing where he flips that over and he says, okay, I'm going to take all your sin. I'm going to give you all my righteousness. Now you are declared righteous in front of the Father. You don't have to prove anything to me. You just need to walk with me. But as you walk with me, there's this thing that happens where he slowly and steadily, it's called progressive sanctification, where he slowly and steadily tries to wean you off of independence from him to dependence on him. And every single phase of your life, God is trying to show you, you need me. Because at every place that we push back against needing him, things are going to be frustrated. Our plans are going to be foiled. Why? Because your soul withers up and dies when you try to operate without God. Hear me? This goes a lot faster if you're nodding, if you're amening, okay? If I say something you like, just nod at least. That's it, right? We can beat the Baptist to the restaurant, okay? You see, we were created 
by our creator with this void inside of us that only one person could fill, Jesus. And everything the world has to offer will always overpromise and underdeliver. And so you have to understand that God is trying to help us understand that we need him. And that, that, that what we can do in our own strength and our own capacity can only go so far. And really, at the end of the day, it leads to an unraveling of our life. Hear me. God is perfectly content. He's a gentleman. You, he will let you go your own way. That's fine. But you will destroy your life. Some of you already know it. You're in that place. You're like, I've tried, Davey. I've tried. I've tried my way. And man, I've just made a mess of it. And God's going, come on. I don't care if you made a mess of it. Just, come, just, just turn and repent from that. Come and start following my ways. Learn to depend on me. I, I, man, I provide help for the lowly and humble in heart. But listen, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And some of you are just like me. You're in this place where you're realizing, hopefully you're realizing in such a way that turns and causes your heart to repent that you have just been prideful trying to do it all on your own. Listen, you will come to a place where you realize you cannot do this. I promise you the enemy is, he is patient. Business owner, he will let you build that business all on your own accord and all in your own strength so that you start to get this little moxie and this swagger about you and you think that you've done this thing all on your own and all of a sudden, bam! And then you're in a place where you're going, oh my gosh, I've overextended, I've over leveraged, I just, what, what, I need help. God comes to Mary, who's a humble servant. There is nothing special about her. She's an ordinary person believing in an extraordinary God. Can I ask you, are you, are you the same? I love when someone realizes that they've been saved from a lot. You know what I mean? People who have been saved from a lot, I travel all over the country, and I see them. They're on the front row. And they're like, I know what I've been saved from. I made a mess of my life. And I'm here now because God has rescued me. He's pulled me up out of the miry clay. He's put my feet on a rock. And I can't take any credit for that. But God, I was in a totally different situation. Come on. Is that your story? Because I love when people realize that they are saved from much. Because my story is that I wasn't saved from much. I'm a pastor's kid. I had a drug problem growing up. I was drugged to church every time the doors were open. <laughs> Another joke. And so I have this propensity to think that I can do this on my own. If I just, if I just kind of order my life in such a way that's just neat and tidy, succinct, and looks like it's godly, then I'll be good. And man, God is after that heart, and he will frustrate and foil until you and I realize, no, we need him. Helps here for the humble. The second thing that you have to realize is that help is often hidden. Help is often hidden. You see, Mary will launch into, at some point, this massive song where she sings it. I'm gonna encourage you to go and read it later. And I want you to pull out, go and read verses 46 through 54. This is an assignment, okay? And I want you to highlight everywhere that it says something about humble and proud, humble and proud, humble and proud, okay? Go and read that. That's your assignment for later, okay? So Mary's gonna launch. She realizes, man, God's, God's doing this work in me, but sometimes we can't see the work God is doing. Sometimes it's hidden. 
Sometimes it looks different than what we, than what we thought it was going to look like. Like when we talk about help, when we talk about rescue, sometimes we're looking for God to give us that bailout. You know what I mean? We've kind of done this thing where we've, like where we've over, we've gotten to this place where like, oh my gosh, I've kind of done all this on my own. And now God, I need you to bail me out of this mess that I have made. Right? And praise God, sometimes he does bail us out. But often God doesn't do the bailout. Most of the time, God does the buildup. Hear me? See, most of the time, God doesn't rescue us in these moments and poof, because if he rescues us from this situation, if he helps us right here, then we'll just put ourselves in that same trouble later because we didn't learn anything, right? You know, Man, are y'all with me? <laughs> so what he has to do is he has to over process and over time and over, he, he has to build us up in this character building refinement so that the next time we're tempted to begin doing this of our own accord we real wait 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 i can't i can't and so then our mo becomes different now it's not we're throwing up a hail mary asking for help as a last response we actually we actually ask for help as a first response right not a last resort First, we wake up every single day, God, God, I can't do this. I can't build this business. I can't be this mom. I can't be a dad. I can't, I can't go and uh, minister to my family or to my neighbors. I can't, I can't do any of this without you. And so from the very moment of the very beginning of the day, we're going, God, would you just come in and help me? Because I know I'm going to hit a lid today. I need your help. Sometimes it's hidden. You see, um, I opened up this year talking about this has been the, the, the year of the word, right? And I preached about the power of God's word earlier this year. And I told you this, I said, you will never know God's will outside of his word, right? God speaks to us through his word. It's not that God's not speaking these days. It's that we're not postured to listen to it. We pick it up our Bible and we're hearing from God. This is how we hear from God. This is God's word to us, friends. So some of you are like, but I want to hear the audible voice of God. I'm trying to make these decisions. I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. Would you, would God, would you just speak to me out loud? You want to hear the audible voice of God? Take your Bible. Read it out loud, okay? This is how God speaks to us. Now, if you take your Bible and you turn it to about two-thirds of the way through, this whole first two-thirds is called the Old Testament. Say Old Testament. I don't want to insult your intelligence, but I want to set something up that I think is going to be really edifying for you. The last third is the New Testament. Say New Testament. The Old Testament and New Testament literally split time in half. So our entire timetable, how we tell time, is split between the Old Testament and New Testament. You have B.C., before Christ, and you have A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. And so this person, Jesus, has influenced your life and your timetable like way more than anybody, any other historical figure in your life. Hear me? It literally splits time in half right here. But in between, in my Bible, there's one page that splits between Old Testament and New Testament. And this, this right here represents 400 years where God was silent. Now, prior to this, God would show up and he would speak to individuals in isolated circumstances, usually the prophets. A prophet would hear a word from God and would disseminate that word to the people, and the people were to go and obey, right? And then after this 400 years of silence, Jesus comes, God in the flesh, God in a bod, if you will, and he comes, he wraps himself in flesh, he declares the kingdom, some of you got that, and then he, he, he goes to the cross, forgiveness of sins, we talked about it earlier, raises from the dead, and then he, as he went back to heaven, sent the what? The Holy Spirit, also called the what? The helper, okay? See where we're going with this? 
the helper, so that every one of us could hear from God. So the helper, the Holy Spirit, illuminates God's word to us so that we can hear from God personally and have an intimate relationship with him. But there was a period of history where God didn't speak to anybody. Nobody. Silence for 400 years. And during this period of history, there was a lot of oppression of God's people. There were empires and world powers that were oppressing his people. And so the God's people would let out this cry, the Hebrew word for Ezekah, which is a cry for help from the oppressed. There was another, another period of history in the Israelites' history, God's people, in Exodus, where they were for 400 years enslaved in Egypt. And they let out the Zedekah, which is a cry for help. And God heard their cry. And for 400 years later on, as they're under the captivity of Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, now they're letting out Ezekah. They're going, God, we need you to help, but he's silent. What can we learn about this period of silence that would inform us about the moments in our life that we feel like God is not answering our cry? You in those moments sometimes? Well, we can't learn a whole lot from scripture because this is what scripture says about it. But we can learn a lot from history. Can I give you a history lesson? I believe that this can show you what we can do in those periods of silence and how we can be encouraged by this. Can I give you a history lesson? Not, I'm telling you this goes fast. Okay, all right, here we go. What was happening was a major shift of global power. Like I just said, it went from Babylon, who was the global power, to Persia, to Greece. This guy named Philip of Macedonia assembled all the nation states of Greece. This is Philip of Macedonia, by the way. He had a, I'm sure he had a nose in real life, but... Uh, <laughs> And he was able to unify the nation states. Well, then he wasn't uh, in, in power for long, but he passed it down the kingdom of Greece now to his son, Alexander the Great. Heard of Alexander the Great? Did you know there's more physical evidence that Jesus walked the earth, did a healing ministry, died on the cross, was buried in a physical grave, and raised from that physical day, grave? There's more evidence that that took place than Alexander the Great walked the earth? Come on. And yet our teachers are, have no problem talking about Alexander the Great. But you start talking about the divinity of Jesus? Oh, hold on a second. So, so Alexander the Great does something where he conquers everything in the known world. And he gets so depressed because he's conquered everything. He literally, on his deathbed, as he's drinking himself to death at age 33. Interesting, there's another important historical figure that lived to be age 33. Except he laid down his life rather than taking it. Come on. Alexander the Great takes his life by drinking himself to death because he's depressed because he's conquered all these worlds. And now nothing's fulfilled him. That's a message for somebody. But what he did in that moment, or in that period of reign, is that he set up a common language called Koine Greek. Say Koine Greek. And that common language began to spread throughout so that everybody could hear, read, and understand, and speak the same language throughout the known world. Then, after Greece, uh, after Alexander the Great dies, he splits his kingdom into four, and then another major world power comes through, and they sack everything and conquer everything, known as the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire conquers everything, and then they set up a treaty called the Pax Romana. The Pax Romana essentially says, now that we've conquered everything, there's world peace. <laughs> Convenient, right? Nobody can fight anymore. World peace. And so they had a very, uh, very strong military campaign. But in that Pax Romana, it allowed people to travel to all of these bordered states and nations with ease, not encumbered by all the customs, uh, the customs that you go through when you cross borders. So they could travel with ease. They also set up these things called Roman roads. You, if you grew up in church, you know you can share your faith through the Romans road. It's a little play on words, but the Roman roads were these, these, these innovative roads that their troops could go through and it would speed up travel, okay? It was a highly innovative transportation system. So 
In this 400 years of silence, here's what's happening. You have a common language, you have world peace, and you have an improved transportation system. Now, I want you to put a pin in that, tuck it in your back pocket, and I want to ask you a question. How many of you guys like, how many of you guys like Broadway? Like Broadway? All right, real quick, participation. Yell out some of your favorite Broadway shows. Hamilton. I just finished reading the biography by Ron Chernow and then saw it, and it was like, mind-blowing. So good, so good. Anything else? Les Mis. Les Mis. Oh, gosh, so good. <laughs> right. Anything else? Camelot. Camelot. That's a good one. I like Camelot. It's really good. Well, Phantom of the Opera. You guys, Phantom of the Opera? Bum, 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 bum. You think I could? I mean, come on. All right, all right, all right. Anybody else? Anything else? All right, so nobody says this one except in the last service, they said the Newsies. The Newsies is my absolute favorite. You remember that one? Remember when Christian Bale was getting his upstart, the Disney movie, the movies, the Newsies, right? And that, like, I wanted to be Christian Bale so bad and play the lead. I wanted to be, Santa Fe, are you there? Do you? I, I'm, okay, I just wasn't, I'm not warm, but. <laughs> Joking aside, this is why I love Broadway, is because the playwrights, they set it up into two acts. They have a first act where they set up a tension and it builds. And then what happens when that tension gets to a climax? You have the last scene right there, and then boom, house lights come on, curtain goes down, stage lights go off, and you're supposed to go get popcorn and go to the bathroom for 15 minutes. And you're left going, what happens? I want to see how it resolves. It's masterful the way they, because you want that. Your soul longs for that resolution, right? Then you go get your popcorn, you go to the bathroom, you come back in, house lights go off, Curtain comes up, stage lights come on, and what's happened? The entire scene is flipped, isn't it? And it's set up to start resolving that tension. Did you know God is the greatest playwright there ever is? The Old Testament set up this tension, this tension that was set up when you and I, the very first man and woman, swapped the truth of God's word for a lie, and it fractured everything. And now this sin created a chasm that separated us from God. But God has always pursued us, and he has always made a way because he is a helper and a rescuer. So there was a system that was set up all throughout the Old Testament that said you sacrifice a lamb once a year. So for the shedding of the blood of that lamb, it would, it would, it would appease, essentially, uh, or, or atone for the... Um, uh, appease is a really bad word on that one because that's totally not what it is. Atone for the... Um, the, the sin that we have in our lives. And so now we can have right relationship with God because of the sacrifice of this lamb. The sacrifice of this lamb was done every single year. So it became a frustrating system for the people of God. And so for years, centuries, this was the, this was the system. And then all of a sudden, boom, God goes silent for 400 years. Curtain is drawn. House lights up. 400 years. And in that 400 years, a common language is developed, world peace, improved transportation. And then when the stage is set, house lights go off, curtain comes up, spotlight shines on this humble, lowly baby, the Christ child. Why is that so important, Davy? Because throughout 400 years, while it seemed like God was silent, he was moving the pieces on the global stage to make the conditions absolutely perfect to send his son, Jesus, to die and be raised from the dead so that the gospel of Jesus 
could spread. This whole part of our Bible, the New Testament, as missionaries went and they distributed letters to the churches that were starting was written in what language? Koine Greek. And they were able to move quickly because of improved transportation systems. And they were able to, friends, move peaceably because of the Pax Romana. The conditions prior to Jesus were absolutely were, were not good for the gospel to be spread. And so while God kind of pulls back the curtain and he reveals this beautiful plan that he has to resolve the tension to bring us back into reconciliation with him, now the conditions are set perfectly for that message to get spread broad and wide. And friends, we're sitting in this room today because for 400 years, God stepped back and started working behind the scenes. What does that have to do with me, Davey? Because some of you are going, God, where are you in my help right now? Why are you not working? And I'm telling you, when he seems absent, he is the most active behind the scenes. The tension is building. The frustration is happening because he wants to show you, you need a savior. You need me. And this Christmas season is a reminder that we cannot do it without him. That we don't just need his help. We need everything. We need, it. We need all of it. Help sometimes is hidden. And it doesn't look the way that we think it's going to look. It didn't for these people. They were expecting a military leader to fully and finally eradicate the oppression of the Roman government. It's not what they got. They got a lowly baby who grew up to be a man that spoke about a different kingdom, not of this world, but a kingdom that would live and reign forever. A kingdom in our hearts, friends. A kingdom that one day everything would be set right, everything would be made right, every tear would be wiped away. Everything, as J.R.R. Tolkien says, everything sad would become untrue. And there's no earthly military leader or commander that can fulfill that. But Jesus, Son of God, can change everything for not just the landscape of history, but for eternity. But that's not what they got. They didn't get a military leader, so they crucified him. Your help sometimes is not going to look like what you think it's going to look like because it's going to be a buildup. So the last thing as we invite the band to come back out, the last thing we have to write down is help is now here. Help is now here. Scripture says in Galatians, it says at the proper time, at the fullness of time, God sent his son. When everything was made right, God sent his son. But I need to tell you right now, because of the time that we live in, help is already here. We're not waiting on the Messiah. We're not waiting on the Christ child. He is here. And scripture says in, that Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary in verse 41, and the baby leaped in her womb. So Mary goes to get help from Elizabeth, and the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth was what? Filled with who? The Holy Spirit, the helper. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Can I tell you what's so powerful about this moment right here is when Mary walks into that room, she didn't have to tell Elizabeth, hey, I'm pregnant. The angel came to me, told me that the Holy Spirit was gonna conceive and this is the Christ child that there was no conversation about that do you see that literally she walks in the room and the baby leaped why 
because she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, help is here now through the person of the Holy Spirit. And what's so powerful about the community that we sit in and among and around right now, guys, the, the people sitting next to you, like, this is why, this is why I get so, I have a holy discontent about the fact that we're like, there's a presenter up here on stage and you're watching this presenter try to entertain you for 35 minutes and try to bring you something that's going to like move you and stir you is because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. And the person, look at the person next to you. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. And what's beautiful about the power of the church and God's community is that the Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us and there is a unity in the Spirit so someone else can discern the help that you need. Hear me? I've been so inspired by this guy named George Mueller. Go and read about him because he had this orphanage that he, he was taking care of so many orphans. He started this orphanage, but he had so many needs. They needed groceries, they needed food every single week, but instead of going and telling other people or starting some kind of a fundraise or doing some kind of, I'm not saying all that stuff's bad. I'm just saying I'm inspired by George's faith because he said, I want to go to God and tell him my need first. And I want to watch God move because when he told him God, when he told God his need, what would happen is that people, the Holy Spirit inside of other people would discern. They would see, they would sense that need. They go, wait, we need to go help George. And they would drop groceries off and they would drop different provisions off at the doorstep. And, and I, look, it's not, it wouldn't have been bad if George had been like, hey man, here's what we need. Can you just come take care of this? Like, that's not a bad thing. But how much more did George's faith grow? To know that the Holy Spirit of God, there's this cool network of communication that's happening because of the Holy Spirit that he speaks to us and the help is here right now and the power of God and being able to take those requests to God. Don't be anxious for anything, Right? But in everything, through prayer and petition, present your request to God. Why? Because he's the helper. He wants to come through. But if you're like me, you're too prideful to ask until it's the last minute. There's something so beautiful and powerful in your marriage. Man, gosh, there's a unity in the spirit in your marriage where you're pursuing after the Lord together and he illuminates something to you that he does to your spouse. And there's just, have you experienced that before? It's like, oh my gosh, I, we're on the same page. And it's not because we've necessarily even talked about it. But now that we've talked about it, we realize the Holy Spirit's been doing this thing in us. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He is the helper. And there's a unity that can happen right there. He provides what you need in whatever moment. So if you need comfort, he provides comfort. If you need provision, he provides provision. If you need strength, he provides strength. If you need rest, he provides rest. You need only ask. But then, on top of that, the community of people is a help. That's why you can't be doing this thing by yourself, man. You gotta get into a huddle, to an outpost. Like, man, I'm just realizing this over the past couple of weeks. I'm like, I need, like, I need help. <laughs> Preached at a church last week in, in Delaware, and I told him, I was like, I'm learning that I need to bring more people around me to help me. Counsel for leadership decisions, counsel for family and parenting, and because man, every area of my life feels over my head right now. And so this, man, this, I'm just like, the Lord is all over me with this right now. 
I want so badly for you to also experience what it, what it feels like to have the guard of community over your life, the covering, and in your life and around your life that is an ever, listen, that is an ever-present help. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, an ever-present help in times of trouble. And I believe, listen, friends, I believe help is here now for you. Maybe that means you need to talk to a pastor today. Maybe that means you need to talk to your huddle. You need to have a phone call. So I don't know, but help is here. For somebody in here, you need to hear that help is here for you. And you've been looking. You're your last, like you are at the end of your rope, and you're going, I just came today because I, was, I just wasn't even sure if I would make it through the day. Help is here. The body of Christ wants to carry that with you. So here's what I want to do. I want to ask you to stand. We're going to close in a time of baptism here in just a second. But before we do that, here's, here's what I want to do. I want to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And so many times, man, we, we, you know, we, we come in, we sing some songs, and we hear someone preach for 35 or 40 minutes. And we, we don't ever stop and, we, and, and go, hey, God, what are you saying to me right now? I want, and I want to leave some space for that. Like, I want you literally, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to leave some space for just a second. And, and I, want to, I want to challenge you to say, God, what are, you, what are you trying to say to me right now? Like, where do I need to recognize that there's pride in my heart where I've been trying to do this by myself? Where do I need to recognize that you want to help? Come on, I want to speak this over your life right now, that God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. That he's saying right now that you, you don't have to fight this battle. Come on, friends. You don't have to fight this battle. You need to only be still. He wants to fight this battle for you. He's just looking for you to ask for help. Scripture says he is a good father who good, gives good gifts to his children. You are a child of God that he wants to bring help and discernment and provision and strength and comfort into your life. But you need only ask. And open your heart up to it. Receive it. There's nothing you can do to earn this. He loves you. He cares about you. And it says that he is gracious and willing to give the Holy Spirit to anybody who asks. Take a moment right now. Just talk to him. We're going to, with every head bowed and every eye closed, in just a moment, we're going to respond in worship. And during that worship, we're going to have some, we're going to celebrate baptism. And so we really want to encourage you just to, man, just to, just to celebrate with the, with, 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 with the, the young man and folks who are getting baptized today. But even as we respond in worship, I don't want us to like check out, like the Lord wants to meet with us and give us discernment and give us strength and give us direction and give us comfort and do his thing right now. This is not a moment to gather our stuff or gather our things and head out there. Like, let's meet with him. Let's create the space to let him move. So God, we just create the space right now. And we ask that you would just move and stir in our hearts, that you would meet with us, dwell with us right now. In your name we pray. Amen.